now for thy brethren an inkpa of this parched corn. These ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. Carry these ten cheeses under the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. And David is said of God that he's a man after his own heart. I guess God likes shouting. I guess God likes running. Hey, hey. Woo! Amen. Hey, amen. I like it. Hey, amen. I'm trying to. Hey, amen. I'm wanting to run somebody else to preach. Look at verse 21. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage and the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren and he talked with them. Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the approach from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him after this manner, saying, Shall it be done to the man that killeth him? Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? With whom hast thou left thee those few sheep in the wilderness? And I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and we pray, God, that you'd help me to mind you, help me to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Help me, Lord, I pray. I'd have preached everything, God, you'd have me to preach, and nothing, God, that you wouldn't have me. I know, God, that without you and without your touch, I'll just be a man talking. But God, if you'd use me just for a little while, Lord, empty Shane out, empty me out of flesh and failure, God, and fill me with power of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, let me not preach with personality or preach with performance, but help me to preach in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. May sinners be stirred and saved. And I pray for the saints, Lord, that's in the building and out of the building, those that will be listening by the podcast or listening by way of their earshot right now. We pray, God, that you get glory. And God, minister through the power of the airwaves, minister through the internet waves. But God, minister right now to the hearts of everyone that's here and God, I pray you do eternal work things, eternal things and eternal works right here and among your people. And Lord, we'll give you glory and thank you for all that you are and all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. We thank you and pray. Help us now, we pray for your glory. 
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while, I want you to go back in verse number 20. Read verse number 20 with me. David rose up early in the morning and left a sheep with a keeper. Now look in verse number 22. And David left his charge in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. If the Lord would help me just for a little while tonight, I want to preach on this thought. We need some keepers in the house of God. We need some keepers in the house of God. Now, I know that some of you out there that are fishermen, you've got this mindset about what I mean when I say keeper. Because we'll go fishing sometimes and we'll get one and it'll be it'll aggravate us. It's so small. And we'll sling that thing and bounce it on the water. But when we get that huge one, we'll say, man, that's a keeper. And I'm not talking about the, the fisherman's term. I'm talking about it doesn't matter how small or how large you are. Hey, man, if God draws you into the boat, I'm telling you, you are fit to be a keeper. And we need keepers in our day. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Let's walk through the text before I get to the message that the Lord's laid upon my heart. Notice some things about David. We need to think in our mind uh, who this David is. When, I, when we go to this thought called the keeper, think about this. This word keep means to keep, to guard. It means to keep watch. It means to, to protect. It means to save life. It means to, to retain something. It means to treasure something. If you keep it, you treasure it. Hey man, you don't care about uh, some little old plastic jewelry. You'll just leave it out on the fence post, lose it off of your hand. But if you get a diamond, ladies, you're going to keep that thing safe. And, and so you means to treasure. It means to keep within bounds. It means to observe, to watch. It means to save. It means to lay up. It means to watch over. And so when we think about this word keeper, that this word keep, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the first time you find the word keep is in Genesis 2 and 15 when God put Adam into the garden and, and gave him the job to dress it and to keep it. God had planted it. God had put him there. And his job was just to dress it and to keep it. Oh, God help us. Hey, God's got some things that he wants us to be the keepers of. Amen. Oh, man, I want to get to the message. Think about David now before I get to my thought. In our text today, we're, we're reading a familiar story. Every kid in here could quote it. Everybody knows about David when he killed Goliath. Everybody knows, thank God, the Philistines called Goliath their champion. Amen. David's never called the champion of God because he found out that God was the only champion. He's our champion tonight. Amen. And it doesn't matter how big the, the obstacle is or the giant is or, or the foe in our life is, uh, the bigger the, the problem, the bigger the target. Amen. And God can make the biggest, my, how the mighty have fallen. And God can let one man stand against a hundred and make a thousand fall by his side. It doesn't, God is our champion. Amen. But in our text, if we don't, if we don't, don't, if we're not careful, we'll miss some special things. I've missed it for years when I think about David being a type of Christ. 
in the various roles that David was. David was a shepherd. He is a giant slayer. He is a warrior. He is a king. And, and the Psalms that David wrote, most a lot of them in Psalms 22, for example, it's as if David is standing instead of Christ. And, Christ, and we have a picture of what's going to go on at Calvary. And God is speaking through David as if he is David and David is him. And so God himself shows us that David is a type of Christ. Every type falls apart because there ain't but one God. But David in the Old Testament is a type of Christ. And I'm going to prove it to you. Look in verse number 17. Jesse pulls over to David and this is what Jesse says. He calls David to himself. Amen. And David's going to go down to the fight. Why is he going to go to the fight? Because his father is going to send him. Amen. Amen. He goes down there. Guess what? He goes to see his brethren and his brethren misinterpret wise air. His brethren reject him instead of receive him. Boy, that sounds familiar. He goes down there in verse number 17. I don't want to get hung up here because there's a lot right here. And in verse number 17, he went down to 17. Look what he's got. <laughs> Amen. He's got an infa of parched corn. Now, I don't know about y'all. I feel like y'all like me. I don't have no problem going down through the corn row at my grandpa's house and getting some raw corn, jerking it off the stalk and open up the sh- kicking the worms off and just eating it raw. I like corn. I like it raw. I don't care how you like But man, when you cook it, it man, there's just something about it. And the father is sending the son down to the battlefront with cooked parched corn. I don't know if that rings any bells in your mind, but can I remind you about Ruth, that Moabite has come out of Moab and thank God got invited to the table and Boaz, a picture of our Redeemer, reached her parched corn. I say amen. God likes it when you cook the corn. Amen. Matter of fact, you couldn't even eat the Passover lamb, watered down or salted. Amen. You're supposed to cook it and roast it with fire. Thank God. God is sending the son, the father is sending the son with cooked food down there to the battle front. Man, what a picture. He's sending him with bread. Ain't Jesus the bread of life? He sent him down there with cheese. You know where that is, don't you? Amen. That cheese is made from my grandpa used to say pernire near rent milk. <laughs> it's made from milk that most folks don't know what to do with it. You can make buttermilk with it. Uh, amen. I'm, you can take that old scoop that blue john out of the way. Amen. And make buttermilk out of it. You make cheese out of it. Amen. He's sending him down there with some provisions. Amen. And he's going down there with not only provisions, he's going down there according to verse number 18. He's going down there with, with cheese, but he's going down there with the last part of verse 18 to get a pledge. I'm trying to get our mind on the fact that the father has sent the son with provisions to the battlefront to meet the needs of the hunger of all the folks that are in the fight, and he's going to get a pledge and take it back to the father that they are safe, and saved and secure. Man, David's a picture of Jesus. Can I get a witness right there? That word pledge is a, it's a feminine verb tense. In other words, it comes from an idea that it's a, it's a pledge that's been given that you have to receive it and then you give it back. They didn't come up with it yourself. It was going to be something 
that was given from another source and he was, they were going to give it back to David and he was going to give the news to the Father. Ain't you glad one day, amen, you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. You didn't have the faith to believe. You didn't have repentance. You didn't have grace. But thank God everything you needed how to get saved was gave to you. Woo, amen. And you gave it back to the Lord and gave your heart in pledge. I say amen. He's a picture, amen, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like this. He's going down. Notice this. I'm not making it up. It's in the King James Bible. He's going to the battle with provision. He's going to get a pledge. But notice this. He's going to the place they call the trench. Now, everybody in here in the Army, everybody in here that's ever served time in the military, y'all know what a trench is. A trench is where, the, where you get with your out buddies and your, and your fellow comrades you dig that trench, that's like, that's the fallback line. That's saying I'm, there's no retreat. That's where the battle's going to get on. I mean, it's going to be hand-to-hand combat if necessary. But we're digging a line. We're getting in the trench. We're making, hey, man, I'm telling you, ain't you glad the Father sent the Son right to the midst of the battle, right in the heat of the midst of it. I mean, Jesus didn't skirt around none of it. Hey, man, he took all of your sin and all of my sin and nailed it to the cross. I got down in the trench of the battle amen and turned the tide in your behalf. I say amen. Thank God he's a picture amen of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if David's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's done some things with the sheep and with the carriage I'm interested to know what he's, what he's doing. I never noticed this. I've read it to you. Let me read it to you one more time in verse number 20. David rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with the keeper. Notice verse number 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper. We need some keepers in the Landrum Independent Baptist Church. Say, preacher, what are we going to keep? I don't know. I don't even know who this man is. Neither one. The, the one that's the keeper of the sheep or the one that is the keeper of the carriage, they're unnamed. Hey, man, they're not mentioned nowhere else as far as we know. They're unknown, they're unnamed. Their name isn't important, but my goodness, they have got a job. Hey, man, and they need, they need to be immolated. I want to be a keeper that the Lord, hey, trust to leave something in my hand. Oh, man, he's... He's put the flock of God. He's put the flock of his father in the hand of a keeper. And he's put the carriage of his family in the hand of a keeper. Boy, I thank God for the keeper. You know what I think the keeper, it could be individually applied, but I thank God for the, amen, for the keepers of the local Baptist church. Amen. Thank God for the keeper that, that are taking care of the flock. Now, notice with me, you say, preacher, what, why do we need keepers? We need keepers for three reasons, I believe. I'm going to give you quite quick before we leave. Number one, I think we need keepers that will keep the family. In verse number 22, the Bible says, he left, in verse 22, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. Now you think about this, what is this carriage? This carriage is the mode of transportation for the family. 
It's how the family's going to get from point A to point B. It is the very thing that David used how to carry the provisions. It's how the family is fed. That's how, that's their supply line. That's their supply truck, amen. It was used on the journeys. It was in times even used as a shelter. It was a necessity of the family. You know what we need, Brother Childs, in every local Bible-believing church, we need keepers of the family. In 20 and 22, I'm telling you what we need. It's folks that'll keep the family. I got a little text message today from the Palomino family. It's a heritage group that tries to protect religious rights. And as far as I know, a lot of pastors in South Carolina are a part of it. And they sent me a warning, alert. They're attacking our religious speech. I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about in Washington, D.C. or California. I'm talking about in South Carolina. They're trying to attack preachers and ministers and counselors and mamas and daddies that don't agree with their term of gender. Uh, they are attacking any kind of preaching or counseling that tries to get young people to see if they're born a man, that's what they are. And if they're born a girl, that's what they are. Is everybody okay? And man, I'm telling you, we're under, we're under attack from everything, the schoolhouse, the White House, and we need the church house to be the keeper of the family. Can I get a witness? We need the Christians of God to be the keeper of the family. Oh, thank God for the carriage. Hey, man, that, that mode of transportation, that shelter for the family, that way to provide food for the family, that way to carry the family to the family destination we're needing it to go oh thank the Lord for the local carriage of the church it's like the end God has brought us to like that good Samaritan brought that man that was in the ditch put him on his ass and took him to the carriage and he said take care of him until I return thank God for the keeper of the carriage amen we got some things that we need to keep church we need to watch over we need to save them we need to treasure them we need to protect them. We need to be the watchmen and the watchwomen to protect and take care of the carriage. I want to be a keeper of the carriage. You say, preacher, what do you give me an idea of what you're talking about? Well, think about this. When we think of the word keeper and give you the biblical definition, sometimes we, we're not, we don't think about it. So think about this. When you go to a hotel, me and my wife, uh, I guess the last time we went, we're still trying to go now, but the last time we went, we went to a nice place. I think I took her on an anniversary. Might have been when we went to Greenville. They didn't have self-parking. I, I don't like that. I like parking my own car. I don't know who this guy, I mean, half of them look like thugs. Somebody say, hey, man, you're wondering, what, what's this guy? He might be selling my car. I mean, I'm at the point, Michael, I'm thinking, do I need to get my registration out? Do I need to get everything that's got my address? Have you ever thought about that? But, man, when you go to one of them nice places, you kind of relax a little bit. There's about two or three people out there. They got tuxes on. And you hand them their keys. They are the keeper of your car. They're keeping your carriage. They're, they're keeping all your personal information, all your personal belongings, and you are trusting that person that you don't even know. They're unknown. They're on, you don't even know their name. 
but they have a job and you are trusting them to do their job. Boy, I thank God we need some keepers of the house of God. Amen. To trust in the transportation. God's gave us a place around here. And we are to thank God for it and be the keepers of the family. The mode of transportation to get our young ones to God. I say to bring food from heaven and to provide shelter and necessary needs in a time of trouble. I thank God. Hallelujah for the carriage. And thank God for the keeper. Do you want to be a keeper? I hope you do want to be a keeper. I'm trusting some people. I look out there on some folks. Man, I trust y'all. I'd trust you to be the keeper of the carriage. I'd leave it without a second thought in my mind. The David left it with not one thought in his mind. Went and ran to the battle. Shouted for the battle. Didn't worry about the carriage. Hey Amen. That was his father's. Boy, I feel like preaching there. Is everybody with me? I mean, he had a job to do and he could focus because he had a keeper of the carriage. If you've got a keeper, thank God you can focus on the job and purpose that God's got planned for you. A young person for the glory of God. A mom, a grandma, a grandpa, daddy. God, help us to be the preacher, the Sunday school teacher that God wants us to be. Hallelujah. I thank God for the keeper. We need a keeper of the family. We need a keeper of the fire. You'll find this all throughout the Bible. But let me recall to your mind, if you had a fire in that day, all the time, when families would travel from one point to another point, they always had coals of the fire so that they would have warmth till the next stop or warmth at the next stop. I found out it's been going on. Hey, and, and matter of fact, matter of fact, just a little side note. It is our responsibility as individual believers to be keepers of the fire. You say, preacher, I, don't, I ain't getting what you're saying. Okay, think about this. In the Old Testament tabernacle, the fire over the tabernacle meant God was in the house Nobody moved. When the fire went up, amen, and started, then they were to pack it up and travel. When the fire went over, amen, and stopped, they would set up the tabernacle, fire set up, amen, wherever the fire was, God was. When Solomon built the temple, amen, he prayed, and the fire fell, and where the fire was, God was. But in Acts chapter 2, amen, we have a transformation. We're on this side of Calvary. It's not over the tabernacle. It's not over the temple. Now it's over the individual believers. And when them cloven tongues danced over the fire of the New, the New Testament believers, it's showing us that we, as New Testament believers, have, thank God, a part of the body and the bride and the building of the church, that we are the keepers of the fire. He wants his ministers to be a flame of fire. He, a matter of fact, the Bible said in Hebrews, he wants his ministers a flame of fire. And in Psalms, it says a flaming fire. I say amen. That's one that's roaring. Hallelujah. I've been around some pews and some pulpits. Ain't enough fire to warm a gnat's foot. We ought to have some fire about us. Say amen. You can't melt cold sinners' hearts. Amen. If there's a snowman in a pulpit and snowmen and women in the pews, I'm glad I'm saved today. Amen. Hallelujah. We're keepers of the fire. And God provided the fire. God put in us the fire. God set us on fire. And it's up to us, amen, to bring the wood and stoke the fire. 
fire. It's up to us to stir the fire. It's up, great God, how long has it been since you brought wood in for the fire to church? We ought to bring be wood toters around here. We need to stoke the fire. We need to stir the fire. And it is our job to save the fire and carry the fire. We need some keepers, amen, of the fire. I studied this, brother, and I didn't realize this. Them keepers of the fire were responsible. When they got to the place that they were going to build the next fire, sometimes to stay warm on the trip, they had special clothing. They stuffed them coals in them earthen vessels. (laughs) Amen. We're the earthen vessel. Amen. They stuffed them, that fire, in them earthen vessels in special pockets in their clothes. And it go out throughout their clothes and keep them warm on the journey. If you cold, it ain't God's fault. He's left you some fire. <laughs> he put fire in you. It's your fault. It's Amen. We need to be keepers of the fire. And when you get to where you're going to and you're going to start that fire, you got to do some things. You got to get the trash out of the way. Preach on, preacher. Hey, man, bring that fire that you've already been given and place it where it can start. Bring some wood and stoke the fire. God, help us get the trash out. Hey, man, bring some wood in and see the fire. Amen, and we need some keepers of the fire. They would call these things, brother uh, Childs, they called them a fire pot. Most time made out of clay, earthen vessels. These, these, fire, these fire pots are these keepers of the fire. They kept for warmth, like I, but they also kept for cooking. Cooked the victuals. Amen. Hey Amen. I've already said it, but let me say it one more time. You couldn't even eat the Passover without fire. Hey Amen. You had to roast it with fire. Hallelujah. He don't want it. Hey Amen. For parts going. In other words, if we quit eating the junk food of this world, hey Amen. The prepackaged junk food, the TV dinners of this world, hey Amen. We'd have something, a fire enough to cook something real and sustain us. And y'all do remember the provisions he provides will give you strength for the journey. Don't believe me? Ask Elijah. He got fed two birthday cakes so he could handle the journey in front of him. Hey Amen. God takes care of his children. Hey Amen. But they weren't only for cooking, they weren't only for warmth. They were also, amen, for religious ceremony. I thought about this. The, in the Bible, a lot of times these fire pots, these, these that are responsible, they carry them in what's called a burning lamp. The first time you see it in your King James Bible is in the book of Genesis in chapter 15. Y'all know the story, but let me remind you. God is dealing with Abraham. At that time, his name's Abram, and he's making a covenant with Abram. And most of the time, a covenant had to be shook hands on, and it had to be two parties agreeing. And as long as this party did his part, this party did his part, the covenant was kept. But God knew that Abram had faults, and God knew that Abram was going to fail. And God knew that... That his flesh would never live up to amen to keep his end of the bargain and so God never had a part in this one when it comes to Genesis 15 and he split all them sacrifices kept the birds driven off of it and he laid them out in pieces the Bible says that God made a deep sleep and darkness came on Abraham as he began to walk through the pieces and the Bible says listen here's what the Bible says and it came to pass that when the sun went down in Genesis 15 
and it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In other words, God said, Abraham, I'm going to turn the lights off. I'm going to put you in darkness because this covenant is based on me. It's not going to be based on you. You can't live up. This covenant will be broke if it's dependent on you. I'm glad, thank God, it pictures Calvary. God cut the lights off for three hours to show the world that you don't even, hey, all you got to do is believe. I'm holding up the part. I'm holding up the only part. I'm going to finish the work. It's done. I thank God this Old Testament covenant was a picture of that New Testament covenant. Ain't you glad you don't have no right? You don't even have a responsibility, amen, to hold your end up. You've got one responsibility, and that's to trust what God did. Put your faith in the finished work of Calvary. Respond to the call of God. I'm so glad I'm saved this morning. Amen tonight. Hallelujah. Woo, God. Alone, symbolized by the burning lamp. Amen. And the fire in it passed between the hands of the slaughtered animal and sealed the covenant. So Abraham's failing could not prevent the fulfillment of the covenant. And Jesus, amen, done dying at Calvary. Amen. Hallelujah. Said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But when the lights come back on, he's, the relationship's restored. And he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Amen. The covenant is complete. He done everything that's required. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. Oh, I'm so glad today. We need keepers of the fire. He's gave us the fire. It's our job to keep it. But I want you to look at this. Not only do you use the fire, amen, for religious ceremonies, for religious truths, but you also use it to make weapons of war or to construct weapons of war. They put them, <laughs> that fire inside of different pots. They'd throw it at their enemies. But they needed a fire, brother. Amen. And they needed a good smith, a good keeper of the fire. Some of those keepers were blacksmiths, or the Bible calls them smiths. And they would use wind, and they would use water, and they would use a hammer. Oh, I feel like preaching right there. Hey, man, they used another piece of steel. Iron sharpeneth iron. Amen. And that word of God, and it's like the water. Amen. That word of God's like a hammer. And that Holy Ghost wind. And they use that fire to fashion a sword and fashion a weapon. Amen. We need the fire, church. And we've got a weapon that we've got to take care of. God has put the responsibility in us to be toters or keepers of the fire. But then notice back in our text. Look back in our text. Keepers of the family, keepers of the fire. But notice this in verse 20. We walk backwards. Now look at verse 20. The first thing he did is he rose up early in the morning and left the sheep and the hands of the keeper. Church, here, here's what I'm saying. Every preacher, every pastor, Brother Owen's here, needs keepers to help him. Take care of the flock of God. Every, and God himself has left us in charge as keepers of the flock of God. 
We need some keepers of the flock of God. Hey man, preachers need help. Pastors need help. He can't do it. We need keepers. We need you ladies to help teach them young ladies. We need them older men to help teach them younger men. We need folks how to help us tend the flock, take care of the flock, help feed the flock, help fight for the flock, help fleece. I didn't say skin it. I said fleece the flock. God help us to follow him. Hey man, if we will follow the Lord, then we can lead the sheep and tend to the flock. We need folks to help us feed the flock. We need the folks to help us fight for the flock. I remember one time one of my one of my neighbors, I heard one of my neighbors hey, had, had come across my fence. And uh, here's what he told me. He said, I come over there. I was so I was so intrigued. I'd never seen this before. We used to raise them sheep. And he said, I've never seen sheep do what I've seen them do. We didn't at that time have any sheep that had horns. And uh, we only had one male. And at, at that time, he didn't have horns. All the rest of them, they were dorper sheep. And, and I, I, I can't forget what my lost neighbor said. He said, this sheep of yours acted like a dog. He said, most sheep run. They, they want a ram will fight. But most you lamb, they, they, they don't fight. Most mama, they, they don't fight. He said, but this one right here, I, and he said, it blew my mind. And I knew which one he was talking about. He was talking about Rose. She had almost died when, when she was giving birth to twins. You remember this, Mom? Man, her cried about this, man. The babies, her twins died inside of her. We had to pull them babies out piece by piece. I'm sure y'all had that with cows. I mean, they, they die inside. And if you don't get it out, they, the, the mama's going to die. This is her first pregnancy. She's, she's going to lose both of them. And if we don't get them out, by the time we get done, she's prolapsed. We're worried. We're trying to, we don't have no vet. It snows on the ground. And we just lock her up, and, and, and y'all might think we're crazy, prayed over and, and, and shut, the, shut the gate. Uh, one of her sisters had, had babies, and one of them she didn't like. I've never seen a sheep, but it don't, don't surprise me because we got people that won't take care of their youngins neither. Somebody say amen. I've never seen a sheep do this, but she turned one of them away. And, and, and that Rose broke out of her safety that we have for her to heal to adopt a sheep that was rejected. She took that baby as if it was hers. Usually you've got to put afterbirth over top of them Anyway, it's a long story to get them to nurse a lamb. But she adopted it. We didn't try. We didn't do nothing. She did it herself. Broke out of it. That, that rose when three wild dogs broke into our fence, backed all them sheep into the stall, and would dive and headbutt them dogs and ran three wild dogs off. He said it was a, I ain't never seen nothing like it. You say, preacher, I ain't no preacher. But I'll tell you what, if you love them sheep like you say you love them, 
you'll help keep them sheep safe. And when the dogs and the wolves of this world, you'll back all them babies and them young girls and just headbutt somebody. Help me. We need some keepers of the sheep around here. We need somebody. David didn't worry about them sheep. He did. He went to the battlefront. He left them with a keeper. We need keepers of the flock, keepers of the fire, keepers of the family. Church all through the Bible, there's keepers of the watch. There's keepers of the door, keepers of the field, keepers of the charge of the house of God, keepers of the altar, keepers of the charge of my sanctuary. And by the way, ladies, guess what the Bible calls some of y'all that think you don't have a real job? Oh, you got a job. In fact, your job is one of the hardest on planet Earth. They call the housewives the keepers at the home. Are y'all listening to this preacher? I'm saying all through the Bible, I want to be a right kind of keeper. I've got to keep my eyes on the ball. I've got to keep my heart focused to be the right kind of keeper that God wants me to be. You know, that old term, keep your eyes on the ball, that's a, that's a, that's a Navy term. That's a nautical term. It's a nautical phrase. Remember when I preached Brother Randy on that football? I went, had somebody go down. I think it was Randy, went and bought a football. Man, it, God gave me a message on the way to church on the football. I know it sounds crazy. I wouldn't just do this, but we're throwing football in the house of God. Remember that? Man, it was on. Amen. That's the thing you used to make it. I was preaching about that ball being a type of the Word of God. Y'all remember that? The, the number of laces, the leather it's in. The air that's got to be inside. Oh, Lord. And you can't make a touchdown without it. Somebody say amen. Woo, for the word of God. You remember that? I said, keep your eyes on the ball. Brother, if we're going to be the right kind of keepers of the flock, the right kind of keepers of the fire, and the right kind of the keepers of the family, we got to keep our eyes on the ball. Would y'all say amen? You, imagine a, a jet. I'm talking about. One of them new jets they got. Trying to land out there on the aircraft carrier. It's pouring the rain. It's middle of the night. It's a complicated thing. Everybody can't be an aircraft carrier pilot. But it boils down to one single request. The landing signal officer will call out to the pilot by way of radio, call the ball, call the ball. That's what he'll do. The ball is a round light. And that, that shines, and when that, that plane, the pilot sees the light, the pilot will say, I see the ball. He is confident of his path. He responds, ball. From that point, he lands. He has one life-saving task, and that's to keep his eyes on the ball. If he can just watch the ball, he will land safe. Everybody on board will be safe, but he's got to keep his eyes on the ball. Now, you think about the dark times that we've been living in, and 2020, 2021, and 2022. Amen. And you're looking, trying to get through this dark storm, and trying to find a place to land your family, land your flock. Amen. Somebody help me 
up in here and you've got one spiritual and emotional peace, one responsibility. Hey man, it's going to help your friends. It's going to help your family and your friends may help you and your family may help you and your funds may help you but the one thing you have to be absolute residential. You must be essential. You've got to keep your eyes on the ball. Somebody help me. Amen. The vast majority of the people of God they don't keep their eyes on the ball. We'll get our eyes on the TV. We'll get our eyes on the ball in New York during New Year's Eve. We'll get our eyes on everything else but this is the ball that we've got to keep our eyes on if we want to be the right kind of keepers of the altar of the house of God of the sanctuary of the fire of the family. Amen. God help us to be keepers of the fire. I want to run right. I want to be the right kind of keeper. In 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12, here's what Jehoshaphat said. He's praying. One of us, he's praying. He says, nor do we know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. Here's what I'm saying, church. We got to keep our eyes on the word of God and keep our eyes on Jesus. That's the only ball. See, here's the ball. He's the one that lights up the ball. We've got to keep our eyes on this ball if we're going to be the right kind of keepers. But, but here, here's the thing. We need to run to be the keeper of the carriage. Run to be keeper of the family. Volunteer. Let me be the keeper of the fire. Let me stoke the fire. Let me stir the fire. Let me be, let me, hey man, let me do it. Let me, let, I want to, I want to, I want to try my best as a Sunday school teacher to have something prepared. I want to get some parched corn, some bread, some cheese. I want to provide the right kind of provision as a preacher. I want to make sure folks is fed. I, I got to have that fire if I'm going to be the right guy, if I'm going to do the right kind of the cooking, if I'm going to keep everybody warm in the things of God. Hey man, I've got, I've got a responsibility. I've got to keep the fire. These weapons has got to be fashioned. I got to keep people stirred up. I've, I'm entrusted with the fire. Each individual believer is entrusted to be a keeper of the fire. It is that fire that'll warm your family, that'll feed your family, that'll tell everybody okay. It's, it's that right there. God help us. But here's the problem. Sometimes instead of having the right kind of fire to run to the battle, we run from the battle. I, I was reading a story the other day. Come play. Get ready for me. I was reading a story the other day. Blow my mind. How it went with this message. See, we, if we're going to be the right kind of keeper of the fire of the family, be the right kind of keeper of the flock. We've got to run to the battle, not away from the battle. We've got to realize there is a cause. We, we've got to be responsible to fulfill the plan of the Father. Are y'all with me? We, got, we, can't, we can't shout. We've got to jump in the trench, get in the thick of it. And, when we like to just shout and swing from the chandeliers, sometimes we've got to tell folks you've got to contend for the faith. So if we're going to be the right kind of keepers of the home, keepers of the altar, keepers of the sanctuary, keep all the keepers God tells us to do, we need some keepers. We've got to run the right direction. I was reading this story about this lady. Y'all probably been through something like this. She was driving down the interstate. And she noticed a truck kept getting, a big truck was right close to her. And she sped up and he sped up. She slowed down and he slowed down. She turned off the interstate and he turned off the interstate. She then pulled into the gas station and jumped out and started yelling, help. 
man comes out the attending the store. And the guy that was in the truck opens up her back door, grabs a guy out, and starts beating him. She was running from the wrong person. There was a guy in her back seat. As soon as she stopped, he was going to kill her, rape her, and, and, kill, and, take, and destroy her life. She was running from the wrong person. And that man was willing to hazard his own life to save that lady from the tragedy that she was facing. You know what the problem is? We're running from the wrong person. When folks, when tragedy strikes, they run from church. They run from God. Why? I, my, you run from responsibility. I don't want nothing to happen. Now. God help. Hey, listen, ain't you glad he hazarded his own life and gave his life to save us from a tragedy in hell? And thank God he didn't shy away from the battle. And if he was willing to do that, we owe him to give our life a living sacrifice. He died so we could live. He was thirsty so we could have a thirst quench. He was forsaken so we'd never be forsaken. The Son of God became the Son of Man so the sons of men could become the sons of God. He laid down his life so we could take it up. Uh, God help us today to realize that we have a responsibility to be the right kind of keeper and the run toward the fight, not away from it. There is no surrender. We're diving in the trench. Don't be trying to halt between two opinions. Pick a side. Do whatever you can to reach other people for the glory of God. You might feel like hazardous to your own life but you've got the message they need to hear God's given you a responsibility God help us to fulfill that responsibility keep our eye on the ball keep our heart in the fight be a keeper of the flock a keeper of the fire and a keeper of the family let's all stand Father we love you today pray God you'd help